Let him go. Let me tell you guys what you're gonna do. You're gonna get up, get over there. Take your magazine and apologize to my friend Simon here. We're officially underway. Oh, I like Fist that. Bump. Yes. Yes. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast that is about punk rock and all of its friends with your friends. Um, Aaron, say hi, Aaron. Hey, what's going on? Not much. And my name's David, so hello. Hello. Um, before we do anything, go follow us on our social media accounts. Uh, we are on Twitter at Growing Punk Pod, also on Instagram at Growing Up Punk, uh, and then you can find the links to our respective Twitter and Instagram profiles from right there. So um, this is uh, – are, are we just going to jump right into it? I didn't even think of that. Unless well, you have a story you want to share. I feel awkward because like right now <laughs> I'm I'm in my bed, so – and I'm watching usually... you in your bed. Yeah, I, I so feel like it's, uh, hey, when we say punk rock and all its friends, we're we're a tight knit <laughs> we're a tight knit family here, right? I feel like you should be like paying me or something. Uh, I'm on I'm on a webcam in my bed right now. I should be making some <laughs> kind of money. I feel like I'll, I'll but... send you some Target gift cards. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so recording in a slightly different... I don't know if it sounds any different on the recording or not, but it may, but um, it feels different, you know? I don't know that I've ever video chatted from my bed before. It, we do this over video chat, so Aaron can see me right now in my dimly lit bedroom. It's uh, it's the... Um, what's it called? Uh when I, when I watch barbecue videos, there's this one I watch, and they always eat. Oh, Pitmaster Privilege! They always eat in uh, oh, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so. This that's, is uh, podcast privilege. So that's uh, <laughs> is that the the Pit Boys? I think. Yeah, it is. Is that what they're called? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pitmaster Privilege. I just love their like like giant beards, like backcountry. Well, it's um, so greasy. Yeah, because they that's don't. Amazing. I'm trying to think if those videos, when I've watched them. Do they typically use a barbecue, or are they like cooking over fire a lot of the time? Uh, yeah, it's typically remember. like over yeah, more of a fire charcoal or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Do you ever watch? They're, they're legit. Yeah, I uh, yeah, they, and and they're it's funny because I'm assuming their videos like they have zero idea what goes into making a video, <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time they're like they're huge and yeah, I always just think like man, these guys just got the life. Like what do what else do they do except right? Their, their friends I mean, are always just there, kind of waiting to eat and, <laughs> and but they got to watch everyone else eat first. Yeah. <laughs> but um. It is funny because yeah, what what else? Do they they got to all be like semi-retired or retired because they're older. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. like, I feel like they're just like this would be a great way to make some extra money. Do you ever watch? Um, sometimes I go down like rabbit holes or whatever rabbit trails on on YouTube. Do you ever watch Cowboy Kent Rollins? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, can, I can only handle so much. He's a little too. 
little too uh, chill for my liking. And I there's something <laughs> about him, and it's funny again because he he clearly has no idea what actually goes into making a video, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's he's not the guy who's in charge of how that video is going to look. He's just the guy who's going to cook, and you know he's he's got he's got a personality that you know I I enjoy. I think I I don't know I kind of like the chillness and how he's randomly does his little like old man dances and stuff like that and just like uh, shots of like the open field yeah <laughs> I think it's his wife or whatever just takes like this B roll of open field but yeah. again he's like a lot of times he cooks um, either I guess what does he call her like Bertha or whatever his big like, like wood open burning grill stove. or whatever yeah. Or he does a lot of, he'll do campfire cooking and stuff like that. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. The first video I actually saw of him um, was, I must have been looking up something about making coffee because then the first video that came up recommended for him was his cowboy coffee one, which it's literally a video where he's just making coffee. There's <laughs> like, a market for everything these right? days. Right? He's so. just making coffee on a wood-burning stove. But it entertained me because every time he said the word boil, it came out boil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to let that water boil. It's yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't it. stop watching. <laughs> well, the best is there's this one guy I watch, and when he says tin foil, yeah. like tin foil. Tin foil. Wrapping yeah, so tin foil. So typically you're watching barbecuing videos, though? Oh, like, yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever get into just even like cooking videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. I've got all sorts of stuff on my feed. Yeah. Trying to think. There's a guy. Oh, his name's Julian, and he cooks only like vegan stuff. Okay, now you're losing me. But yeah, well, I have zero interest in eating, you know, like vegan food. But his personality—I can't remember what what his channel name. His like girlfriend or whatever has a massive YouTube channel, and then he's got this thing. But it, I don't know. I just like watching him. I can't remember the name of his channel though, so we won't we won't go down that road too much further. But. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we are we are here. We're 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 kind of this episode is our an episode that actually follows our format that we set out a couple episodes ago and then immediately ditched it sort of. And now we're back <laughs> to it. And then we're gonna ditch it again um as we kind of move forward for the next few episodes. But this episode we're gonna talk about uh a little a little band. They're they're pretty little. They never had you know, they didn't do much. They Never had MTV exposure or anything like that. Um, but this is actually our first episode, I think, that you and I are doing that we've we've left the nineteen nineties officially. Oh. Both of the both of these That's albums true. were released outside of the nineties. And we're not going backwards, we're going forwards. We're talking about uh two albums from a little band called Newfound Glory. Now before we get into uh, which albums? I mean, we mentioned it last week. It's it's not a big surprise, and it may or may not be in the title. But before we get into the album specific, um, how did you get into Newfound Glory? Yeah, I was thinking about that as I was listening yesterday, and I think I shared this the on the the last episode where we um, talked about this band. But right in um, our other life. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't remember where the name came up. I do remember they were on the cover of Alternative Press, and they just looked really cool. So I don't know if it was from that or whatever, but I was in Winnipeg, and so I went to, I think it was uh, like CD Plus or whatever they had in the mall there. And so I just knew I wanted to buy Newfound Glory. I didn't know if they had an album out. I didn't know which album was out. I just, I had heard a song, probably downloaded or whatever, and, and knew I wanted it. 
So I went, then looked, it wasn't there. So I go ask the clerk if they have newfound glory. And she says, no, but we have AFI. So close. I just remember, <laughs> I remember just being so confused. Like, I knew who AFI was. One of my friends, yeah. that was his favorite band. I was like, yeah, I know who AFI is. That's not really the sound. I'm not sure how that's a comparison. <laughs> but anyways, I just kind of was like, no, not interested in that. So I, I don't know when it was that I did get their album next. I'm, I'm assuming when my friends so, downloaded it or something. My guess why the clerk at the store suggested AFI is because AFI stands for A Fire Inside, right? Uh, whereas Newfound Glory initially were known as A right. Newfound Glory. She's just, you know, super confused about these she's bands. She's starting with That's, the bands that start with the letter A. <laughs> yeah, either that or <laughs> she saw AFI and then also saw NFG and thought, wow, this guy likes bands with three initials. Three That's letters. Three letters. That's got to be what it is. Although I don't think like the NFG, I'm assuming when this was, that the NFG like sort of logo and branding was a thing yet. Yeah, no. I think that took a few albums anyway until they got to that. But I know, I think, and you mentioned kind of in our past life, an episode that we did on these guys, um, I'm pretty sure I mentioned in that episode, what I'm going to mention now is that uh, I'm pretty sure I discovered them by reading the liner notes for Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo by MXPX. Um, and oh. in there, they were referenced as A Newfound Glory because I think those were the same liner notes where I heard even about like Good Charlotte. Um, there were a few different bands in there that they they thanked them or whatever because that was a thing you did at that time, right? Yeah. Just like list a novel worth of um, of other bands. And I want to say at that time, cause that was before either of those bands really did anything. Cause like, um, unless it was in the liner notes for, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, the ever passing see. moment. It could be the liner notes for the ever passing moment. Cause I don't know when, let's see. Cause Buffalo was out in what? 98. That was not 98. Yeah. And, so that's, I mean, Newfound Glory might have had their their first, well, like and their that's, unsigned, nothing gold, but I, I doubt MXPX would have necessarily known of them yet. See, that's where I think you'd, yeah, because they, they were definitely listed as a Newfound Glory in the in the liner notes, which would have been um, for nothing gold. I'm just seeing when nothing gold came out. Yeah, well, it I'm, says 99. I mean, they may, I don't know if they had like an EP or anything before that or just played some dates with them, but um there was a connection there because I remember there was a podcast where um, the drummer of Newfound Glory was on Mike Carrera's podcast and was saying yep. just talking about how they first first came in contact with MXPX or something on tour or something with a shirt and so it, it could have been they might right. have might have connected there kind of before yeah because I mean like blew up so Newfound Glory formed in 1997 um, I'm just wondering when. Did they have, I don't know, will this let me know, but discography, yeah, it just starts at nothing gold can stay, so um, tough to say, but uh, yeah, so I mean, they were around when Buffalo came out, that's why I'm just wondering, I mean, it could have possibly been um, for, what's it called, the ever-passing moment, I don't have either of those CD booklets anymore to be able to go and, and look through the liner notes, but I know it was from... Um, one of those, the only thing about if it was ever passing moment is that that by the time that came out, I'm pretty sure they were newfound glory. Um, yeah. Because ever passing moment was what? 2001 or 2000. 
Uh, we're about to find out. I love I love the internet. You know, like I can I can fact check these things in my hand. <laughs> we don't need and, to do any prep. Let's just be in our phones and well, exactly go back I mean, and we, forth and see what happens. So the ever passing moment was two thousand, and what did we decide? Which is the same year as the self titled came out. Yeah, so by that point they were definitely newfound glory. So I mean, maybe, maybe like maybe they played some shows with them early on. Because um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some kind of connection I remember hearing about. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. But yeah, I, I can almost guarantee that for me it was MXPX liner notes that uh, introduced the band to me. So and then I would have just gone and and bought bought the cd and at that time there were two out there were nothing gold can stay and then when i when i first got into them there was self-titled as well which is what we're going to talk about the uh i was gonna I was, even though i just said it was their second album i was just about to call it their debut album because you know well, it's it kind makes of sense. there i mean it was their first album after getting signed and yeah kind of their first nothing gold can stay is a pretty raw album like there's some songs they recorded for this but yeah. I would I would call this I mean their their first we'll call it official we'll, album or whatever we'll call it their debut album as Newfound Glory yeah. that's what it is their self titled record Newfound Glory. <laughs> This record was this the one that you bought when you finally first bought a re- an album from them? It, it must have been, um, yeah, because uh, I can't remember which one uh, came out. Was it Sticks and Stones? It was after this. Yeah, I'd already yeah. been listening to them for a while, so I must have. Yeah, I'm assuming one of my friends downloaded it or I, or I found it somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it immediately caught my attention as as most new bands in this style did at at that period of time, especially. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was. It was similar enough to bands like MXPX, but it also, you know, it stood out a bit. It had, and maybe I didn't even pick up on this when I first got into them, but, you know, it definitely has a heavier side to it. Yeah. Um, or a heavier influence as, you know, than, you know, the other pop punk bands or skate punk bands I would have been listening to. And so I do recall thinking, like, this is, you know, this is something different. I know I like it. It's super catchy. And it just kind of drew me in. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I can remember someone telling me that it's got this like sort of heavier hardcore influence even though i was listening to it again it wasn't something that i necessarily picked up on when i listen to it now i can definitely hear um those influences 
in the guitars a little more. But yeah, uh, but yeah, at the time, I, I remember like hearing that and kind of going, "Oh yeah, okay," but not really also knowing what that meant. Um, right. Because when I would have been listening to Newfound Glory, I was kind of somewhat getting into some heavier bands. But even those heavier bands were bands that were typically more like Hope's Fall that, you know, weren't necessarily with these big chunky breakdowns, yeah. um, but more melodic on, on the on the melodic side of heavy. So I was like, I didn't really hear that. But um, yeah, they definitely, and I mean, that this is why one of the reasons we're going to we're talking about them and then linking the next couple of episodes because these are, this record is kind of like the early foundations, I guess you could say for easy core in that whole pop punk meets like beat down hardcore sort of thing that eventually became a thing. Right. So, right. Um, but yeah, this is the, the self-titled record is definitely the record that put newfound glory on the map. I don't know if it's their, best selling that may that might go to sticks and stones um but this was like the one i think where people for sure were like oh who's this band right and yeah it, yeah they definitely blew up on this album for sure and it's interesting to me because you know when i think of like the early 2000s and even like crossing over into the late 90s like pop punk scene like newfound glory is one of the bands like one of the bands yeah definitely but Blink-182 is always that band that's kind of looked at as being like, oh, they were the trailblazers, the trendsetters for that wave of pop punk, right? Um, now, obviously, they had a few more years on the other bands because they started in, you know, a little earlier into the 90s before kind of really blowing up right at the end of the 90s into the early 2000s. But when I hear pop punk bands now, maybe not so much like right now, but just like the past couple of years, like the ones that yeah. were kind of big... I find that there's more of a newfound, I'm not calling them a newfound glory, but more of a, an influence from newfound glory than there is Blink-182, just stylistically. Whether it's like that, obviously that whole easycore movement uh, or, or sub-genre or whatever, but also like you look at bands like newfound, or like newfound, you look at bands like <laughs> newfound glory, clearly influenced by newfound glory, but you look at bands like Neck Deep and I go, oh right. man, like I hear newfound glory here and there's you know a number of bands that... Um, try to do the neck deep thing and or even to an extent some of the bands I think the, the two big bands of pop punk today that I think really influenced from that era would be Newfound Glory and the starting line more so hmm. than like Blink-182 sort of thing even though obviously everyone would be like oh yeah Blink-182 but as far as like taking elements of the sound I find Newfound Glory and the starting line to be kind of like the two big ones so that's kind of always interested me a little bit how those are the bands that really set the tone for what the sound would be now yeah and i would yeah it's an interesting correlation between those bands and i think i would even lean well not even lean i would say i'm i'm more influenced and i like newfound glory more than i do blink i know blink is you know this Blasphemy. super influential <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's just the longevity you know newfound glory you know they've had you know 10 albums out you know except the exception of a few where they changed, you know, um, their style a bit, they've stayed, you know, very consistent. Yeah. Um, whereas I think when I think of Blink One Eighty Two, I really only think of Dude Ranch and Enema of the State. Um, I didn't mean Take Off Your Pants, like those kind of three. But in the last ten years, you know, there's been some stuff I've liked of theirs, but it's I I think of that more as an era from from back then. Whereas Newfound Glory for me 
is still, you know, they have a new album coming out this year that is going to be awesome. I'm super excited for. Whereas Blink 182 has kind of lost that for me. And, yeah. uh, and just, I mean, it's a bit different. Blink 182 always tried to kind of be a bit more, uh, maybe diverse in their sound, experimenting a bit more. And, and I just, yeah, Newfound Glory has kind of just been that, that staple, consistent band. You know, they're drawing a lot of outside influences as well, um, but kind of still keeping it within a certain realm. Yeah, they like Blink is definitely. I mean, we can get into this more when we have, whenever we do an episode on Blink, but um, they're definitely a band that was more willing to experiment with their sound, and I think they had big success with that with the Untitled album um, right. from like two thousand three or whatever. But at the same point, when I go back and want to listen to Blink, it's typically like Dude Ranch, Enema of the State, and Take Off Your Pants, right? Like. That's the sound of Blink that I I really like, and even like when you when you talk about Nine, which they released last year, um, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I honestly looked at it. I was like, Blink's always been a band that kind of feels like they're they're always trying to grow and challenge themselves a little bit, and I felt like that was you know more so than California for sure was like an album where I'm like, okay, at least they're just trying to be who they are now versus trying to be who they were because had they maintained yeah. that sound from Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants sort of thing, like maybe that's different if they're still releasing records that sound like that today, right? Then you go, yeah, well, that's Blink-182. But because they took that step off the ledge with Untitled and then, you know, from their neighborhoods or whatever, they took a change and said, I'm like, okay, they're a band that grows and changes with time. And that's and that's fine because you're going to, you'll win some and you'll lose some with that. But um we're not here to talk about Blink. We're here to talk about some of their more contemporaries, though. But this, you know, this record is, I would put it right up there with Enema of the State, though, and Take Off Your Pants, as far as, and, and maybe even yeah. a, a step above in the, in the sense that I, when I look back at kind of who I was at that time, you know, when this came out in 2000 and 2001 sort of deal, it's like the perfect record to kind of describe who I was at that time, right? Like I was listening to a lot of different bands and, you know, so I'd be like, oh yeah, I listened to Good Riddance. Oh, I listened to Face to Face. So I listened to like just these different bands that I did. But like this band, I think really accurately would describe who I was in high mm-hmm. school. And, you know, part of that I think boils down to the whole um, – like this record when I think of like the sad boy pop punk emo kid that I was you know this is probably the perfect record right alongside like the places you have come to fear the most by Dashboard Confessional just like this like oh my heart's always broken sort of thing <laughs> except your heart was broken that much <laughs> well I mean I was a high school kid man I was I was just the, the girls always got away you know like that that's what <laughs> I, that's I had what no I, girls to get away so my heart was never broken so <laughs> there you go. that's just <laughs> what I always like affiliate with this record and obviously places you have come to fear the most uh, but this one just feeling a little more upbeat <laughs> yeah <laughs> upbeat in its heartbreak <laughs> yeah that, that's funny you say that because I do feel that even you know listening to these songs I do find it hard to relate to I mean that's you know half or the more of pop punk is singing about girls relationships mm-hmm. and that just was never my reality right. and I mean I'm, I'm sure I wished it was back then but um, and so I, I do find it hard to to connect lyrically sometimes with with bands like this and I've always been more drawn to the music side 
um, than the lyrics anyways. But it's, yeah. you know, even just I was reading through the lyrics yesterday, it was like, it's just, you know, they have these huge hit songs and I'm reading through the lyrics and like, these aren't even really that good. I guess it represents that that time or that era or, yeah, or oh, whatever. Sure. But yeah, just, I guess, harder for someone who didn't live that out. You definitely, you definitely weren't getting a lot of lyrical diversity from Newfound Glory. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was always writing songs about whether it was the one that got away or, you know, the one that he had a chance with and messed up or the one that he's with right now sort of thing, right? Like, it was always, it, typically I found, like, yeah, it was easy enough to say that most, if not every one of their songs uh, were about girls. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just the way it was. But I don't know. I look at Newfound Glory, though, and watching some of their videos from this era, uh, I just feel like every pop punk kid at that time like every pop punk guy at that time wanted to be Jordan Pundick. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's he was pretty sweet. Even as oh. I was watching through the videos, I was like, man, like not not just him. I mean, the whole band, but yeah. this, just had that just such a classic the punk look. You know, with yeah. the gauge earrings, the spiky hair, the lip ring, like the dicky shorts. Yeah, so I definitely <laughs> maybe I didn't take after them lyrically, but you know, yeah. uh, looks so wise look, and style yeah. wise, definitely. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, they they definitely went to the same school of, of dress as bands like Blink-182 and stuff like that. That's the funny thing. Like, when I look at MXPX, um, like, stylistically, I was like, I don't know if I could picture any of those guys wearing shorts. <laughs> and maybe it's because they're from Washington, right? So it wasn't quite as warm. So pants were typically more what they yeah. were wearing. And they definitely rocked, like, the Dickies pants and, then event, and, and you know, jeans eventually and stuff like that but um when i picture bands like blink 182 and newfound glory and stuff like that now they're from blink from california newfound glory from florida from warmer areas I'm like yeah they i just picture them in shorts dicky shorts so it's kind of kind of funny either that or mxpx was always just like a little bit more um legitimately influenced by punk rock versus pop punk if that makes right. sense yeah yeah you know, yeah like they, i think that's fair and and so you know, like short shorts aren't shorts aren't punk rock, man. <laughs> well, I've I've got a pair of Dicky shorts that I wore at a friend's wedding like 13 years ago, and I literally yeah. I wear them all summer, every summer since, and they still That's hold awesome. up. <laughs> That's amazing. And I've tried buying new shorts, and it's like nope, going back to the Dickies. How, sorry, how long ago did you say the wedding was? Like 13 years ago. Wow, I don't think I I don't think I'd own anything that would fit me that I wore 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah, thankfully uh waist has stayed similar enough, but well done. Yeah, I love it. Well done. Well done. Um, so there's my newfound glory shout out to Dickies. Shout out to Dickies. Yes. So we uh we picked a few songs um and we actually for these songs, we kind of picked them together. I think basically we each picked one and then sort of agreed on one type deal so we got three songs from each record that we're going to talk about starting first with the song that was my pick um which is the song dress to kill
And so for this song, High School Me absolutely loved this video. <laughs> the music video for yeah. this because it's the one that, with like Rachel Lee Cook who like yeah which I, yeah when I watched it yesterday I was like is that Rachel Lee Cook so I had to, it, I had to Google it and look it up and oh and like sweet, she classic nineties yeah and so like at that time she was like you know you talk celebrity crushes or whatever she was the one where I was like oh and I think it's probably started because of the movie Josie and the Pussycats uh, I was gonna <laughs> say she's all that that was the one that I or she's all that yeah yeah. Which I think she's all that was a little bit earlier. Um, okay. That was the one with Freddie Prinze Jr., I think. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, with Josie and the Pussycats, she kind of like cut her hair more similar to what's in the video and stuff. And I was like all about kind of like that shorter hair at the time. But like this, the video for this song, I was always just like, man, it's just so awesome. Like they're just rocking in a garage, looking so cool. Yeah. And then you got like this story of like two people who just like can't quite get over their shyness to talk to each other. Um, he comes off a little stalkerish in the video, sure, but yeah. you know, <laughs> I think the feelings are actually reciprocated by her. It's just neither one of them can work up the courage to tell each other, which is like I feel perfectly encompasses sort of like what Newfound Glory was at that time. Just always like uh, trying to reach out for that love and just can't quite get it. And you know, we talked briefly about their lyrics and how. There's not a whole lot to grasp onto or dissect there, but I think that kind of is like who they were at that time. But um, yeah, no, this that this song was always kind of my favorite off this record too. Um, the next song we're going to talk about kind of maybe gets a little more recognition, but this one was always like my my go to. Um, but I did. There was actually something funny I wanted to read because I was on YouTube, right? And uh, there was a comment on one of the. On, on that video from a guy or a person named Rocket Fingers. So great great name, I guess, Rocket nice. Fingers. But it says it's a story about two idiots who stalk each other who are too <laughs> afraid to talk. Did they predict the future of social media? Oh, <laughs> so wow. we have we have Newfound Glory and the video for Dress to Kill to thank for the awkwardness of people now communicating um, because of social media. Well, that's funny that you, you mentioned social media because the lyric in that song, I miss you singing me to sleep, Always right. kind of like weirded me out. I was like, "Who, who's having like their girlfriend or whatever singing them to sleep? It's not like there were cell phones back then. Like you're gonna right. lock up the landline at you know ten o'clock at <laughs> night, just sing me to sleep. Like, sing me to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I just, guaranteed that's happened, right? Like guaranteed. Yeah, I'm sure it does. It just to me, I was like, oh, I don't. I just don't like that lyric. That just. I guess it kind of <laughs> adds to the hook of the song, but. Yeah. For some reason, that line, I was like, oh, that's a bit much for me. But I, mean, I, I no, sorry. Well, I was going to say it is funny because, like, I can, now that you bring it up that way, I'm like, I actually picture just like two teenagers or whatever young people on the phone and just staying on the phone talking until the early hours or late hours, however you want to put that, because, you know, it's oh, it's, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> you sing to me. No, you sing. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I'm forgetting that some households had more than one landline in their house, so they were lucky enough to have a phone in their bedroom, which I don't think I ever did. So, not that yeah, I had anybody I, to sing me to sleep. Anyways, <laughs> I definitely never had a phone in my bedroom either. But I'm sure my sister stayed on the phone. I don't know if she had one in her room, but you know whether it was like the cordless or just the really long like phone you know cord or whatever that's yeah. like 25 feet long you can go from the the kitchen upstairs all the way down to the basement <laughs> and you could just hear through the walls you're like who's singing you to sleep yeah. 
why is this a thing? And the funny thing is, is he's the one who's singing. <laughs> like, maybe, well, why wouldn't he <laughs> sing her to sleep? If I was the girl, I'd be like, you're the singer. You yeah. sing me to sleep. That's why they broke up. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I guess it just yeah goes to show that era. But anyways, it's eh, yeah, just, no, a, just a line in a song. It's just a line in a song. That, that feels I, like it should be a line in a song. I, I do love the bridge in that song. Just you know, it's kind of a a heavier bridge and just breaks up the song. That was when I was watching yesterday. I was like, okay, this is definitely my favorite part of the song. Like the rest, the rest is a great song. It's classic newfound glory. But that yeah. bridge, you know, again going back to just some of those heavier elements that you know kind of stood out because you weren't really hearing that in other bands of that style then yeah that bridge if I'm recalling correctly I want to see here because um, is that the how many times I've tried yeah uh, what does he say um, where is it is it that song uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here. Can you sing me to sleep? I can. Oh no! I think I think what I'm singing and thinking for the bridge is actually from the next song we're going to talk about. Oh, um, but uh, I'm trying to see what the bridge. Yeah, is some on. of it kind of runs runs together, I guess. Oh, the the because the bridge on this one is listed as the "Cheer up, my friends," I'll say, and I can't stop pretending that you're forever mine. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Is that the bridge you're thinking of, or are you thinking of the next one? I don't know. Now I'm confused. Because <laughs> the next, because like the the bridge on this one is it just kind of like it more mellows out a little bit. Uh, but I think what you're talking about, and we can move into it, is the song "Hit or Miss." song that was re-recorded from yes yes it is yeah and this for me is the song that kind of put them on the map i'm sure this was the first song i heard by them potentially if i if it was like if i didn't just straight up buy a cd it's possible that this song i you know saw on much music or um maybe it was on a compilation or something because i didn't have nothing gold could stay my a friend of mine did and so i remember hearing it on there but he had that after I had had self-titled, but um, I think it's fair to say this was kind of like their first kick at the can for for a single, like yeah. gaining traction and having success. But um, and it's I, the thing I find interesting about this song is it kind of going into their whole sound and something specific in this song kind of encouraged like pop punk kids to look outside of their genre and listen to music outside of their genre because yeah. these bands all that we've been talking about all existed in a time where like genres are maybe less of a thing now as far as like people being like oh i can't listen to that because it's this or that or oh that that's not pop punk sort of thing or that's not punk you know that kind of thing. like at this time that was very much a thing like gatekeepers to like the punk rock community sort of thing um 
But this band, A, like with their pop punk influences as well as their, you know, like more beatdown hardcore sort of influences. But then also the fact that in this song, he talks about Thriller being his favorite song. Yep. Like that's kind of cool, like how he like bringing all of that together in a time where I'd say people were fairly narrow minded when it came to the music they listened to. Yeah, that's that's interesting you say that because my experience was was almost the opposite with genres. Like I didn't, I didn't. Oh, excuse me. He's dying. He's dying. <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't know. I didn't really have any correlation with that. Like I look back and there's so many bands. It's like, oh, that's what that band was. But I just kind of was like, yeah. oh, it's faster punk or it's slower punk or it's yeah, whatever. Because I, I didn't yeah. know. And so I wouldn't, you know, with a band like this, I wouldn't have been able to pinpoint like oh there's hardcore influence in this it's just like oh this is kind of a different heavier punk part or whatever yeah Yeah. i just yeah and i i find it not so much that kids wouldn't like get outside like listening like a kid that listens to pop punk or punk wouldn't listen to harder like hardcore sort of stuff right like um i don't know that the genres crossed over too too much in that sense um, whereas like now, you know, it's almost a given that if someone listens to pop punk, they also listen to like, yeah. you know, like knocked loose or something like that. Right. Like something current and contemporary that's a little harder and stuff. And so that, that is a little different for me, but uh, even just like the, Oh, he, that, that dude's actually saying that Michael Jackson sings his favorite song. Yeah. Like that, that to me was kind of like, oh, part of me was like, hey, I know what song that is that they're talking about. That's pretty awesome. Um, also, the it's I think it's funny that he's talking about the needle on the record player and stuff like that. When like that was probably at a time when vinyl was its deadest. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? In like the 2000s, like vinyl wasn't really being pressed anymore for the most part. Like through the 90s, it still was to a point. But when all of this stuff was taking over, it uh, most definitely was not. And so yeah. for him to be singing about that, good for him. And I and I like those. Actually, my note is, you know, this song is, again, you know, about a girl or relationship or whatever. But I do like the correlation that he uses between, you know, a re- relating to a record player, a radio station, yeah. you know, the Thriller song, writing their names on the wall. Like, to me, that made the song more interesting, kind of putting those in instead of just, you know, I miss you singing me to sleep. it had some other interesting elements i was kind of like okay like thriller i wouldn't have known who michael jackson was when this album came out probably i don't know maybe but i probably i wouldn't have pieced that together or right like a a record player you know thinking like oh okay like you know his dad had a record player or you know that maybe he listened to records on or or whatever right just making it a bit more interesting than kind of just maybe what it is what if she was singing thriller to put him to sleep. Uh, she would have <laughs> to have a very high voice. <laughs> no one's going to go to sleep having that in their ear. <laughs> uh, come on now. Come on now. They could. They could. Um, yeah, but no, this this song was definitely the song that uh, hooked me on Newfound Glory. Like I said, it's not my favorite song on the record, but this one... Um, Ironically enough, it's not my favorite song, but it, uh, it, it, it was what reeled me in for sure. Um, the song that you picked specifically for this record, I'm glad you picked it. It's Eyesore. Eyesore. <laughs> 
my mind, this song was always called Eeyore. <laughs> that's funny because when I look at it, that's what I see too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, what? But uh, of course, Eeyore being the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. Um, again, it's we talked lyrically about Newfound Glory. Um, there's they're, they're not they're not doing anything new here lyrically, but this is kind of one of the ones for me going back to. This is where I think I actually had the note. Um, oh no, never mind. But but like just this song specifically being so like emo, sad boy. The girl left me. Like the way he writes, and I don't think I don't think Jordan Pundick is the like the lyricist. At least not at this time. I believe it was um, oh, there one guitar player, not Steve or Chad. Yeah, not Chad, because uh, Chad Chad was in Shy Halud, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'd be Steve. He, yeah, so Chad was the guy who I think we could say brought the hardcore influence for sure. Yeah, um, but. This song, the way like the forget me not, like, yeah, it's, so good. <laughs> it's, like it's it's so like it's so. I mean, obviously they weren't in high school at the time. I don't believe, but it's so like high school dramatic. Forget me not, you know those yeah. weren't your words. <laughs> trying their best to be Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah I like this song. It breaks up the album, and I've I've always liked Newfound Glory's you know slower songs. I feel like they do a good job of. I'm still making them interesting, you know. I mean, yeah. their album "Coming Home," which is pretty much all slow, is one of my favorites of theirs. Interesting, and, yeah. uh, and I kind of, I almost wish that because uh, it kind of picks it up, you know, during the chorus. And I kind of wish they would have kept it a bit more, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was during the verses, just just to kind of have that break in the album and just to show some different dynamics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's why that song kind of stood out to me. You know, just, when I hear it, it's. You know, and I didn't listen to much emo or sad boy or whatever <laughs> you're referencing, so that's not necessarily why I would have been drawn to that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the tempo change is one thing because it definitely breaks the album up nicely. But it is funny to look at like the lyrics of this song; they're so sappy. Yeah, like forget me not; those weren't your words. I'm home. Haven't you heard the ring? The sound of my voice. I know it isn't much. That's why I say your name when I fall, when I hit the bottom. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, uh, not not a song to uh, get into the lyrics of, but... <laughs> I mean, he's he's had his heart broken, man. If you've never had your heart broken, you've never lived. <laughs> well, I, I am lived. living and I have lived. Are you and, sure you're living? Well, some days I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I did say you were dying earlier in the episode. <laughs> oh, it feels like it sometimes. Maybe he's already dead. He's not I, dying. <laughs> he's already dead. It just gave me the thought of you know starting a pop punk band, and it's just all about like back pain and headaches and yeah, <laughs> nausea. So it's like this is I can't relate to having my heart broken, but I can relate to a sore back, and so that's. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Descendants did that somewhat on. Yeah, they they could have pulled it off. Yeah, because they had a song. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but he talks about how he's not able to eat all these fast foods anymore because his cholesterol is too high sort of thing. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. It's so, so real, so deep. But um, yeah, no, this song definitely breaks the record up nicely. And yeah, for like this, this album for me will be nearly perfect in regards to like, 
the era and the genre sort of thing. Is it a perfect right. album? No, I don't know if that actually exists necessarily anywhere for me. But to like encapsulate what was happening in my life and what I liked, I don't like just all that stuff. Like it's 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 to a T. And this one has always remained as like a like a something I've always gone back to. As yeah. far as a record's concerned, you know, there's some that I listened to back then that I just don't very often go back to, but this one always remained on the list. Yeah. Yeah, so what's your overall overall thought on the album? Um, I mean, I, I, I love it. Like I said, it's one of the most perfect records for me from that time. Like, yeah, I, I could never get enough of it. Like, as soon as we were like, I, I was thinking about this, it's like, oh, man. You know, there's a the new thing these days in podcasting is like doing a podcast about a band one song at a time sort of thing. Yeah. And I was like, I wanna change this this show from growing up punk to growing up pundic and just make it all about <laughs> newfound glory. Yeah, well, that, would, that would be a sweet one too. Yeah, but we're I not going to. <laughs> another comment just to the the beginning we're kind of correlating between Blink one and A two. I didn't realize that they were originally supposed to record this album with Jerry Finn, who had mm. recorded Enema of the State, so that would have come out, you know, the year or two prior. Yeah. And then they just, they didn't click with Jerry, and they ended up canceling with him and then going with a guy named Neil Avron, um, mm. who produced, you know, uh, a lot of their albums. So I, I thought that was, that was interesting that you brought up Link, and just that they would get in with this huge producer, you know, they signed with Drive Through. They're this yeah. you know up and coming band. They're with this producer that just did this album that's blown up in the pop punk scene, and then for them just to not connect with him and and yeah. kind of move on. But I mean, it still still played to their strengths. You know, the album sold yeah. you know half a million copies or more, and you know they were on Conan O'Brien and all these things that are you know especially back then were huge for for a punk band. You know, for their first yeah. first big album. So it's kind yeah. of an interesting tidbit. This won't be the last time we mention Blink-182 on this episode because yeah, hey, look the next album transition. we're going to talk about yeah, is produced by, speaking of producers in Blink-182, produced by Mark Hoppus of Blink-182. We're going to talk about Newfound Glories, Not Without a Fight. <laughs> It's funny because when I was kind of posting about this on Instagram and Twitter and stuff that we were prepping for this episode, one of the things that came up quite regularly was how well Mark Hoppus 
They, they're, they're giving Hop, it's interesting because they're giving Mark Hoppus a lot of credit. Like, listen, like people on social media saying, oh, you know, Hoppus knocked it out of the park with this one. And when you read, like, the guys, I don't remember who it was with from Newfound Glory, whether it was Chad or Steve, or it might have even been Cyrus, uh, but they were talking basically about Mark's involvement on the record. Yeah, he produced it, but they're like, they were yeah. specifically saying like he didn't come in there and like start rearranging things, right. and he he took the project on because he was like, well, they were a band that clearly had a sound in mind that they were going for. So he did talk about like finding like specific bass tones and stuff like right. that, right? But I'm like, I don't know how much the overall project was molded and shaped by Mark Hoppus, but people love to point out the fact that he produced this record. Yeah, that's an it's an interesting one for him to have producing as it's you know maybe their heaviest album or or you know their kind of grittiest right. um, one. So it's, yeah, it was interesting that, that this would have been the one that Mark came in and produced, and it's not the one I would have expected by any means if I listened to you know four or five of their albums. This isn't the one that I would pick that he was yeah. that he was a part of. So that's but yeah, it's cool. It's always. You know, again, yeah, back to the Blink thing, you know, to have someone, you know... I mean, Newfound Glory was, was huge at this point as well. I'm sure Blink was quite a bit bigger. And so just yeah. to have, you know, a guy like Mark come in and and just kind of be a part of the team for that, I'm sure it kind of helped, you know, both bands. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I don't know that this record is necessarily their heaviest. Because when you... I think production-wise, it is... Like, I just think the quality of the production really emphasizes some of those heavier parts. Uh, there is a specific riff in a song that we're going to talk about that I think is their heaviest riff that I know of. But on the whole, I was like, oh, I just think it's produced so much better than the self-titled album that it kind of comes off like the heavier parts feel heavier. But yeah. I think musically, they're not necessarily um, because they talk a lot about, you know, on this record, kind of going back to... Uh, and a lot of the reviews mentioned like sort of going back to that self-titled sort of sound because like from self-titled to sticks and stones, there was a bit of a, a polishing, like they got a little more maybe yeah, poppy. Sure. And then obviously like with coming home and stuff like that, like coming home was a lot more mellow. And, and they actually said, it's interesting because, you know, they had said a couple of them, you know, like Jordan and Chad, I think were both in love and engaged obviously not to each other um, <laughs> but like you know they're they're at a, a pretty happy time in their life and then by the time this record rolled around they had both also gone through divorces yeah, and so like it was a it was a very different sort of group and like just where they were at in their lives and and so they wanted to kind of like like they're saying they loved they loved the songs on Coming Home, but when they play them live, they just wouldn't translate the way they'd want. So right. like we'd we had to write something that's more like energetic and bouncy and you know, it's like so they can really get into it. And that's how this record kinda came to be, um, kinda going back to those those roots a little bit. But um Yeah, I don't I don't having said that, I'm not sure if it's like head and shoulders heavier than than the self-titled record but it's definitely like a return to form maybe it just sounds least. so much heavier coming from from coming home like you know yeah it's hard i can't nothing else comes to mind of a of a similar band that has such a drastic shift you know from one album to the next yeah. which is funny because like going into coming home i felt like they sort of had like worked their way there 
you know, like from one album to the next. And then you had to like kind of almost reset a little bit to come back, right? Because I feel like they kind of polished themselves a little bit more heading into each album, finally getting into Coming Home. And then Coming Home, they come out, and I, I believe it was the longest stretch of time between record releases for the band. So to come out with this album and just be like, we're going to hit you right in the face. It's going to be hard. And the interesting thing is, too, is like this is their first album off of their major label i think they're on geffen and so they well technically it's not their first album because they did from the screen to your stereo too which was just completely self-released i believe and or no i think they worked a deal that drive-through put it out um but like they self-financed it and whatever but this record what i find interesting did you see what label it's released on it's epitaph isn't it it's on epitaph which yeah. It's interesting to me because, again, if we go back where I talked about gatekeepers, like seeing gatekeepers before, when the self-titled record was out, that was at a time where still a th- it was very much a thing for people to be like, oh, you know, I don't listen to that band because they're, you know, pop punk, right? Like when, when you have like, like people that would be like, you're not punk rock because you listen to this band, you need to listen to only these bands or whatever, right? And Epitaph always got a pass. Epitaph and Fat Records were basically like the um, the epitome of bands that were acceptable for true punks to like, which yeah. is hilarious when you think about it. Because when you listen to a lot of those bands, they're very poppy, <laughs> yeah. right? Like Definitely. the sound is still very much the same. They just didn't get picked up by a major label. So I find it funny that you know when they're when when Newfound Glory are first kind of breaking into the scene bands fans of bands on epitaph would have probably looked in a, not everybody i'm not going to paint a broad stroke of everybody but it was very much they like looked out on them and be like oh pop punk bleh. right like um and then they release this record on epitaph years later and i'm just like i just wonder what i know when epitaph releases albums and videos these days i love reading the comments because they're not nearly as you know straight up punk rock of a label as they used to be. In fact, a right. lot of their stuff isn't. So I just love going through the comments, being like, Epitaph ain't what it used to be. Much in a similar way, you know, like with Tooth and Nail, they're yeah. kind of releasing similar bands, right? Or at least sounds. Fat Records still, for the most part, I mean, it's Fat Mike. He's, I don't think he listens to anything but punk rock. Like, I don't think the guy knows that there are other genres of music. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, so it's kind of funny. I just love going through those through those comments and being like, oh, people are so mad. It's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, old crust punks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I I can remember that, That I mean, obviously I loved bands on Epitaph, and, yeah. and so it was cool seeing that transition of, you know, that, you know, a slower, bit more moodier album, um, and then, yeah, I wonder if, uh, like, the label, if that caught them off guard, if they were like, like we, what happened to this big, you know, pop punk band and now it's just kind of i mean it's still pop punk but well so i in doing a little bit of re- like you're talking about coming home that yeah record? just that yeah, yeah. Trend, like i wonder if that was the labels like oh, okay we're kind of done with you guys or maybe there's just so, the contract was up then or yeah well okay so it's interesting because when they released coming home um according to i can't i didn't write down the notes as to who it was but um according to someone in the band uh they said like the label was more interested in releasing like pop artists like the Pussycat Dolls and stuff like that. Yeah. And like that was like their big focus at that time. 
and that you know like most of their rock bands just kind of got put on the back burner as far as like excitement and hype and marketing and all that kind of stuff so they actually had an option i believe if i remember correctly reading this that they could have or maybe i'm taking this from uh your interview with value pack <laughs> but <laughs> like listening to that but uh, i believe it also said in this too that they had an option where they could have done another record maybe on geffen and like in their contract and they just decided not to okay. uh, that could be wrong and it, i'm trying to double check too if it was geffen they were on uh, mca is that mca I, um, I don't know what all those labels what was connected with what but yeah i don't want to hold on not without a well, if I could, if I could type on my phone. Yeah, I think uh, self-titled for sure was on MCA. I think I can remember the logo well, self- off the CD. Yeah, well, self-titled, I mean, was on drive through They may have had a or, distribution deal, though, like with MCA. Right, okay. I think I'm um, there it is. I want to see if I can... Uh, the band parted ways. Yeah, okay, yeah, no. Um, so, coming home, after coming home, the band parted ways with Geffen Records in early 2007. I want to see, though, it's saying at the time of coming home being released, this guy who was the president was, and this is from uh, Steve Klein saying this this guy who was the president at uh, Geffen Records was all about Pussycat Dolls and all that pop and RB. It came out at a time when they weren't really caring about their rock bands. And, you know, we had a choice to be on that label again for the next one. And we just decided that we didn't want to be part of a label that didn't want to put out rock music. So then they went and did From the Screen to Your Stereo and uh, worked a deal with Drive Through to release that. And then, obviously, Epitaph for Not Without a Fight. So Yeah, good deal. Yeah. Um, for me, this record came out at a time when I wasn't really following Newfound Glory. Um, there's this space in time where like pop punk sort of, it didn't cease to exist, but it wasn't like, like for me, but it wasn't really my main concern. And so this record came out in that time. I don't think I'd listened to a single song off of it knowingly until prepping for this episode. Oh, wow. But I constantly found myself wanting to go back to it. Um, this is what I find interesting. So, this review sums the record up pretty well for me because when we were picking, trying to pick songs for this album, I kind of made a comment, or at least I was thinking of it. It was like, well, the first good, like the first chunk of the album's really good, and then it sort of is okay after that. So this review comes from Alternative Press, and it was uh, Brendan Manley at Alternative Press. He says he gave it three and a half stars out of five and said, throughout fight, it's the guitars fueled by drummer Cyrus Baluki's frenetic tempos that exude the greatest return to form from 47 with its near speed metal breakdown, which I don't remember that at all, but <laughs> to the raucous, I'll never love again to the fluid Tom DeLong esque guitar lines and truck stop blues. It becomes abundantly clear that guitarists Chad Gilbert and Steve Klein have rediscovered their mojo and have come to rock despite stating that the album lacked consistency in the latter half. He summarized that the record is a reminder of why we fell in love with newfound glory in the first place. And for many of us, that's enough. And Mm. I think that perfectly summed it up, right? Like it's not, again, it, it, it does kind of start getting a little all pun intended hit or miss, um, kind of as the record progresses, there's still some gems on that back end 
one of which I believe we'll talk about because I think it's later on the album. But uh, let's get into the first song, though, that we're going to talk about. And it's none of the ones that people were suggesting. We're going to talk about Truck Stop Blues. This is the one where the the first thing that jumped out to me in that review, what I thought was so great, uh, where he says uh, the Tom DeLonge-esque guitar lines in Truck Stop Blues. Um, First and foremost, I guess, before we get into that, here's an interesting fact. This is not the first song titled Truck Stop Blues to be released on Epitaph Records. (laughs) Oh, what was the other one? Uh, No Effects released a song called Truck Stop Blues on Epitaph Records back in 1991. I will say uh, this is the best song called Truck Stop Blues okay, released on yeah. Epitaph Records because I couldn't make it through more than 30 to 45 seconds of the No Effects one. Um, but th- this kind of going back to what we said earlier in the conversation, where it's like Newfound Glory, while yes, they were contemporaries of Blink-182, don't really remind me of Blink-182 because, yeah, I mean, Newfound Glory just being chunkier and it's... I feel like at that time, pop punk had so many different sounds from these bands. Like, you can distinctly define Blink-182, Newfound Glory, Good Charlotte, MXPX, the starting line. Like, they all kind of had their own thing that they were doing inside pop punk successfully, right? Whereas these days, it seems like, and maybe it's just that streaming is a bigger thing, so now you just have access to more bands to be like, oh, they just sound like this other band, right? Like, um... But this song, Truck Stop Blues, is the first time that I could think of that I've heard a newfound glory song and went, Oh, this reminds me of Blink. This is great. The chorus oh, doesn't. Oh, it did remind you? Oh. Yeah, this song did. The chorus doesn't necessarily, but I think the speed on the verses and that guitar riff is 100%. Like, I could hear Tom DeLong writing that guitar riff oh. in the song. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I mean, I do love the song because it's, you know, a fast song. A newfound glory doesn't have. You know, I can only I can only think of a few, you know, double time yeah. uh, songs that they did. So obviously that that kind of grabs my attention right away. Yeah. And then I love how in the chorus, you know, it kind of like half time like breaks it yeah. down. And um, you know, I did find that to be you know a little bit redundant. You know, it just yeah. kind of goes back and forth. But it's super hooky. The thing I like about this song, though, and the first time I listened to it is like right at the very beginning of it, you can just tell. By how they open the song, you're like, oh, this is about to go off. Like the way, like what Jordan does vocally or whatever, it kind of just like yeah. holds this note and it builds. And you're like, yep, here it comes. And they don't disappoint, right? Like it's not like they come in with, because like the way I would describe Newfound Glory sound over the years is just bouncy. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, like I feel like the, their songs were designed for like everyone to jump up and down at the same time. And because you're right, they they didn't and don't necessarily do a lot of like fast fast songs right 
it's very rare. And so I, I feel like when that happens, it definitely stands out. And so, um, but they get bouncy in this song because the chorus is very bouncy, right? Like, yeah. Um, but I also like the, lyrically, I love this, this song yeah, specifically like the chorus. I just love the whole, like, uh, how does we're held together by highways and telephone lines or whatever it is. I'm like, that's kind of a cool visual, like to put in like, just like distance sucks, right? Like in a relationship and, uh, but it keeps them connected because you're always just down the road, right? Like I remember my mom used to say that, um, when she moved, when they moved out to Nova Scotia. So those who are in the States, that's the other side of the country from where I am. But she would often say, oh, we're just down the road because where we were living at the time, we were just off the Trans-Canada Highway, right? So the idea is like that highway goes across Canada. So if you just right. stay on that highway, you'll get there. You'll go right past Aaron's house and then you'll keep going. And uh, <laughs> That's true, you will. <laughs> yep. I can't get there now by just going on the same highway. I have to take a different highway first to connect. But um, but yeah, so I just that, that visual I think that they created lyrically in this song is easy to grasp onto. Yeah, well, I love that they filmed the video at a truck stop. And that's yeah. <laughs> maybe something, you know, that people who who have never been in a band, you know, normally you just go, you fill up your, you know, fill up your, you're at a gas station, you know, once a week, once every two weeks. Yeah. When you're in a band, you're literally at a gas station, like minimum of one, sometimes two or three times a day. And it becomes this like weird part of your existence where, <laughs> you know, there are certain like brands of truck stops you look forward to, you know, because right. you know, the bathrooms are nicer or they have showers or, or whatever. So I just, I love that it's at a truck stop. Like yeah. it's, it's so fitting to the lyrics and the band and what they're singing about and just what life is on the road. So I, I thought I could really relate to that. I feel like they've always, speaking of music videos, we'll, we'll kind of go down this road for a second. I feel like they've always had fun with their music videos. Even if it's just yeah. like a video of them just performing, they always do something that's more than just like them in a room, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I would say the most straightforward, like stereotypical video maybe that they have that I can think of off the top of my head would be the video for Dress to Kill. Like the whole boy and girl can't quite work up the nerve to talk to each other while this pop punk band plays in the garage. Yeah. Whereas, like, the rest, there's always, like, something zany and fun going on. Like, the video for Hit or Miss, they're all, like, getting ready for a show, and they're all crashing in this really small hotel room and stepping over each other and whatever. And uh, I can't... Was it My Friends Over You, maybe? They're, like, playing, and they're inside, like, a little, um, like, viewfinder-type thing or whatever. Uh, no, that, that's, a, that's a different one. My Friends Over You is when, like, you know, their, like, arm was bigger than the rest of their body or... Is that not the same video, though? Uh, the, the, the one problem I would say about them is the zaniness does kind of cross over. And I'm like, if, well, regardless, this video, like they're playing at a truck stop and it's not like they're just playing out at the truck stop, right? Like there's all this like Looney Tunes-esque stuff going on, whether it's right. like Jordan removing his sunglasses and he's got like these big bug eyes or, you know, like just different stuff going on. And then, um, oh, I can't remember their bassist's name right now off the top of my Ian. head. Ian. Ian, that's right. And he goes into like the, the bathroom, he drinks all the energy drinks and then like starts yeah. hallucinating <laughs> and stuff. Like it's just, it's just a fun video. Um, and Haley Williams of Paramore's in it. I don't know if you uh, caught that. Is that is she in that one? Yeah, she's like dressed up as like 
wearing some weird costume and she's just she's outside at some point uh, i think i, I have um, a note that she's oh i thought it was a, a different one my notes are kind of all, all over the place she's here, so. she's featured on a song she doesn't sing on this song she's just in the video oh okay so oh, maybe i didn't but, catch that then yeah, it's like I went through the – I was reading the comments again and someone pointed out. So I went back and watched that. So I was like, oh, yeah, it is her because she's like in full costume, right? But um, yeah, so this this song, the first time it came on, I was just I – was, I was hooked. Uh, it can get a little repetitive, like the fast to halftime, double time, halftime sort of thing. Um, but name me an album that doesn't have a repetitive song on it at some point. Uh, and name like good albums that don't have repetitive songs on them even. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I re- and I think because that's not their formula for every song, right? Like yeah, the, f- the, the double time cut time sort of thing or halftime sort of thing. Um, it's almost refreshing in a sense, but yeah. So truck stop blues for me was my favorite song off this album. No doubt. But, mm. uh, the next song. So I picked that one. The next one we're going to talk about is, uh, one that, I think you I think you actually maybe pick the next two when it comes down to it. But we're gonna talk about the song Tangled Up. Is it called Tangled Up? Yeah, Tangled yeah, okay. Up. Yeah, okay. Like, or is it just called Tangled? I couldn't remember all of a sudden. No, that's um, the movie. Yes, exactly. Well, that's why I was like, does it just the same? <laughs> but this is the song where Haley Williams is on it. Um, yeah. So and good. it's it's it, it is nice because she's featured on it, but not in like a feature way where it's like, oh, she gets the bridge or something. Like she's just doing backup vocals. Yeah. And you hear them like come in. Or yeah. And you're like, oh man, she can definitely sing. I don't think they're together anymore. No, no, they're they're divorced. He's already engaged or remarried or something. But just moving on, hey. <laughs> um, well, that was there was quite a bit of time in there. But oh, for sure, they're the they're the pop punk power couple, though. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it kind of makes me sad, but anyways, that's <laughs> you'll get over it. Oh, um, come on! Actually, no, Aaron. How does it make you feel? Um, <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? <laughs> Well, I, I love this song. It's super catchy. This to me, this would be probably my favorite song on the album. It, it doesn't, which is odd because it's definitely not one of like the heavier influenced yeah. ones or whatever. But that chorus is just so catchy, and um, I also love that um, the lead guitar is featured a bit more on this. Like as I was listening, you know, they're one of those bands that you know they they had two guitar players for a long time, yeah. and you know. They kind of went back and forth between, you know, the, doing lead parts. But a lot of their songs, I kind of found myself missing it a bit on this album. Like, uh, you know, it would have been nice to have, you know, more of a lead part here. Or, 
um, you know, just a more prominent guitar. So I do like that there is, you know, a lead guitar on this one, kind of, kind of driving the song. Um, but yeah, super catchy and yeah. never get sick of that. This it's funny because this song didn't really click for me until it was either today or yesterday. But like when you'd picked it, I was kind of like, oh, okay, like it's a like it's fine. It's nothing special to me. But then you bring up the chorus and how catchy it is, and I was like. As I was driving into work, I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm singing along. Like, I didn't even realize. Right now, I couldn't, like, the the melody of the course doesn't pop into my head or the words. Like, oh, whereas, like, trucks, whereas, like, Truck Stop Blues, I'm like, yeah, that's what, and maybe that's because that's what's going through my head right now is Truck Stop Blues. But, yeah, I was like, oh, dang, I didn't even realize I, like, knew this song well enough to sing along. It's just so catchy because, like, when we pick the songs, I put them into just like a playlist so that I could kind of focus on those ones a little bit. And then, you know, when I had more time to listen, I'd go back and listen to the full albums or whatever. But um, truth be told, I didn't have to listen to self-titled too much this time around because I was driving home from work today. I was like, Dad, I still know every word on this record. Like, yeah. Um, so this one, like this album got more listens over the course of the week for me, but uh, because I, I'm not as familiar with it. But yeah, all of a sudden it clicked and I was like, oh, yeah, no, like the chorus on this song is so catchy. And then when I kind of tuned in and the, like the Haley Williams sort of feature on it, I was like, it, I like, it's nice and subtle. It's real, it's real awesome. I was just bummed that there's no music video for it because they just have such fun music videos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, they have, a, they have one on a different album that, that Haley's in later on. Yeah, that's, um, oh, what's that song called? Uh, love. Um, vicious Love? Is it Vicious Love? Yeah, yeah, Vicious Love. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, that record. Song. That record, I don't can't remember what it's called, but they did like the the deluxe edition or whatever. Yeah, they did the deluxe edition or whatever, where they had like features on all the songs. That's what oh, actually yeah, brought yeah. that's what brought me back to Newfound Glory. I was yeah, like, that's whoa, a great album too. Yeah, well, because like the original the original version, it was just like for the most part, I think it was just them, and then they did like these releases where it's like chris caraba from dashboard was on a song, and I think like they the did West a song. Jake guy. Yeah, well, I think there was one song where it featured. Oh, maybe I'm no. I think I'm thinking of a day to remember song right now. But was uh, was Mike Herrera from MXPX on a song? Did you uh, see that? That was he was on a, a day to remember one. Well, he was he was on. I don't think he's on the song. Like he's in the video. Oh, okay. Um, where there's a bunch of people oh, right, singing yeah, along yeah. that song. I'm trying to remember if he's on that. I, I want to look now because it's been a while since I listened to that newfound glory, like resurrected or whatever. Like the um oh yeah that's resurrection I, ascension i think oh but this doesn't say who the features are <laughs> it's no, the only it's feature it says is Haley williams but there's a ton of features i believe yeah hmm. anyway well we, we might have to come back and revisit that one sometime um because there's there's a lot of good newfound glory to visit or like i said we just changed the podcast to uh growing up pundit and it's it's done We're done <laughs> It's from here on out. From here on out, it's just a newfound glory podcast. Um, But yeah, no, this song, this song is real good. So let's get into the final song that we picked. And I think you picked this one as well. Although when we kind of listed songs, you reminded me of this one. And I said, okay, I'm cool to swap out something else for this song. Uh, We're going to talk about such a mess.
This song um, was like the first one on the record where I was like, okay, when when people because like when people talk about the genre of easycore and you know like basically pop punk breakdowns, right? Um, this was the first song, and they talk about Newfound Glory kind of like setting the stage for that. Obviously, Newfound Glory never went as far as you know bands like A Day to Remember or Four Years Strong or you know the bands that we're going to talk about where they're like, just like the full on screaming oh, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the first song though where I was like, okay, like it's very obvious yeah. that they're influenced by heavier music as well. Because like that opening riff, I think might be the oh, heaviest thing I've I've heard them do. Like to the point where I was like, I want to learn how to play this song. Uh, so I went on uh, Sunday, I think it was, maybe Saturday. I forget what day it was. This past weekend though, and busted it out and started playing. And I was like, all right. Part of it because I was like, oh, I want to know what they tune in because you know, knowing that they kind of had a bit of a heavier sound, I was like, were they messing around with tunings at all? That one's just in drop D, which oh, is okay, funny because yeah, so. b- bands now. Are like going to drop C, <laughs> right? Like I'm like, oh, yeah. like all sorts whole other them. step down. But um, yeah, so like that opening riff, I was just like, yeah, I can I can groove to this. And that, that's uh, that's funny you say that because that's like pretty much my my only note for that song was heaviest part they've ever written? Question <laughs> mark. So yeah, I mean it's it, it's so catchy. But yeah, it's not heavy in a way like some of those other bands you mentioned. I think they always did such a good job of that. Like they could throw a song like that in, but mm-hmm. also have a song like Tangled Up that is pretty far from that, you know, on the same right. album. But yeah. it still sounds cohesive. It, it all still fits. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've always loved Chad's guitar playing and his guitar writing and just how he can piece together these songs with different influences, but it doesn't yeah. sound like Forest or whatever. Yeah. Well, and that's like that riff gets stuck in my head. Like right now, yeah, I've it's, got it's it in now, my head right now. Yeah, it's, it's now taking over the course to truck stop blues for me. Um, one thing I did like: there were a couple dudes arguing on YouTube again, going down the YouTube rabbit hole about whether Newfound Glory or A Day to Remember, get this, are the inventors of gang vocals. <laughs> Which I thought I'm was sure hilarious. There was a hardcore band that uh, did that. Oh, the- of course. That's what was so funny because, like, the the comment was um, something like, "Oh, they're just taking from a day to remember." And then the comment under, like, with the with the then they they like time stamped right where in the song they were talking about, and the guy says, "Actually, Newfound Glory did it first. And then so, he, I mean, his argument may have been like a day to remember was influenced by Newfound Glory, not necessarily that Newfound Glory was like the first to do gang vocals. But right. I was just like laughing at that comment because I was like, no, man, like gang vocals have been around for a while. Like I did in my high school band, I was obsessed <laughs> with gang vocals. There's a couple spots on our like six song EP that we recorded that have gang vocals. <laughs> Like, like isn't awesome. isn't technically a choir considered gang vocals? I've I've, I've <laughs> joked about that as well. More than one person singing at a time, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I just the thought monks that was in sixteen hundreds, <laughs> like like Gregorian chants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those are the originators. Those are the OG gang vocals. Um, but I also found like this song. While typically it's pretty easy to take a newfound glory song and say it's about girls. Um, this one lyrically, I was like, I think it probably is, especially knowing that some of the guys had like 
over the course between the, their album prior to this one and this one had gone through divorces and stuff. I'm pretty sure this yeah. is probably about girls, but it, it it's also easily kind of like relatable. Just being like toxic relationships in general, right? Like just even someone who you feel has held you down sort of thing and be like, nope, you know, I'm, uh, I'm out of here. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah heartbreak no, keeps uh, those kind of riffs coming and keep it up. Yeah, man, if it, if it makes them angry and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, like, this song, I was I was down when you brought it up. I was like, yep, we're going to do this. And that's because I think it's a good tie into what we're going to do kind of going forward. But let's, um, I think, first and foremost, what were your thoughts on... Uh, what were your thoughts on, on this record? Yeah, you know, it's... I listened to it, I think it was about a year ago. I was in the winter, I was walking around the lake here in Regina, and I listened to this album, and it just reminded me how much I liked it. For some reason, it just didn't stand out, you know, in my top New Fungoi records. Um, but ever since that, I've gone back to it a few times, and I just forget how good it is. You know, it's got... You know, maybe you said the back half is a bit weaker. I, I don't know, I kind of take albums in, in these genres kind of cohesively um, mm-hmm. so I, I really enjoy the whole album and uh, there was actually a rock sound um, that uh, rated this their best album to date when this came out so I thought that was that oh. was intriguing just seeing as how they'd had you know like sticks and stones and you know coming home and self-titled like some pretty some pretty big records for them um, so I don't, I don't know necessarily that that I would agree with that. But I do think it's it's a really solid record. I can actually remember when this album came out, and just feeling a little bit disappointed. I don't I don't know for what reason, but I just kind of left it for a number of years. I don't know if it was because I was into heavier stuff at the time, right? Um, yeah, but like I said, when I go back, I'm always just like, man, like okay, I got to revisit this more often. Yeah, and this I, I'm I'm glad. I can't remember if you chose this record because so. Because a while ago, I had tweeted out that we were thinking of doing a series of episodes on Easy Core. And I said, who should we, like, which which albums should we feature? And I know David from Jimmy Eat Pod had suggested Newfound Glory. Catalyst was one. I'm trying to remember if Not Without a Fight was the, was the other or if he had suggested Catalyst and something else and then you had brought in Not Without a Fight and uh, not yeah, I think I sure. said Not Without a Fight just knowing that it kind of had those heavier elements yeah. to it so um, but the reason that we chose like, or, uh, before I get into this I, I definitely appreciated getting to listen to this record because it was it might be the only Newfound Glory record going into this that I had never listened to even like a, at least a single song off of because yeah, when I crazy. when I look at when I look at their discography I go Oh yeah, like I definitely at some point in time checked these all out, just depending on when they came out, sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, the reason we did this band first was because you know they're often thought of as one of the bands that kind of laid the foundations for Easycore. Uh, in fact, Newfound Glory's Fall 2008 headlining tour was called. The Easy Core Tour. Yeah, and I remember featured, that. I wish I could have seen it. And featured, are you ready for this? Oh, I know. A Day to Remember, Set Your Goals, Four Years strong, strong, International Superheroes of Hardcore, which I believe that was Newfound Glory, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, so <laughs> good. 
and then Crime and Stereo. But so three of those bands we're going to discuss, plus we're going to discuss another one. So um, in the upcoming, the next two episodes, uh, we're going to break these up. And we're going to do, did you, do, do you have your albums picked? Uh, no, but well, you're I about could. to, you're I could about on the to. Spot. So we're going to talk about a day to remember, set your goals, four years strong, and Chunk, no, Captain Chunk. Um, so you have to pick on the spot because this is, so this is kind of a subgenre that I, I've listened to all of, well, I don't know if I've listened to set your goals actually, but like oh, three man. of the four, for sure. I've listened to it at different points, but not when they were at their peak, except for maybe a day to remember. I had a buddy show me the CD and be like, you got to check this out. Um, and it was, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But like never really got hooked onto it in any fashion until almost more recently being like, okay, yeah, I can get into this. So it is your job right now to pick. Let's go with a record from Four Years Strong and a record from Chunk, No Captain Chunk. Oh, those were the, okay. I, I was thinking, actually, I was thinking a day to remember and um, <laughs> and set your goals and no and and chunk no Captain Chunk just because okay. they're the, they're the kind of they're the heavier I mean we don't necessarily have to put them together um, yeah, but when chunk no Captain to. Chunk came out like all I saw was like a day to remember ripoff band basically right um, so it might be okay. interesting to kind of okay you know, let's see. do that then because um, I, I I do think there are you know some similarities but also some differences so yeah okay let's do uh, those two then. Yeah, let's. Um, are we going with Homesick from a day to remember? Is that that's kind of their their if, biggest? If you one? want I mean, to that um, that record, we discussed in the past. Well, not you and I, but in the past life of right. this podcast, that record was discussed. We could yeah. do it again. Or my I mean, my next one would be um, Common Courtesy, actually, just because okay. it was the album that kind of came out of their big feud with Victory. I think it's a very diverse album, but the the different styles they do are, are done really well on that one. That's that's definitely my probably my favorite of theirs. Sure, um, yeah, something that's your that's common courtesy. That, that's your favorite of theirs because that's all yeah. that matters. Okay, so let's do that. And then, what do you want to do with Chunk? Um, I think they just they just have the two full lengths to choose from. Um. Let's let's go with their their last one, which was uh, "Lose Yourself," something like that. I think the first uh, one was "Part of My Fringe." Yeah, get the lost, find was, yourself. Yeah, which this record has an absolutely fantastic song on it. Yeah, this let, is like the yeah okay. This is the chunk no Captain Chunk record that I probably listen to the most. I know that um, is it something for nothing. Is that the one with like, "Hey dudes, are you ready to?" But yeah, that was yeah. like their big sort of like, yeah. They actually had four records. Oh no, three. They had something for nothing. Pardon my French and get lost. Find yourself. But oh, okay. Well, something for lo- nothing. Yeah. I think was before they kind of really, maybe. Yeah, did much. Fridge. I think. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Let's go with those ones. All right. So there you go. So coming up on uh, on the next episode of this lovely show, we're going to do chunk. No captain. Chunk. Get lost. Find yourself. As well as. A day to remember is common courtesy. We're we're gonna dive into some easy core albums. I mean, technically we sort of did that this time, but we're gonna do that um, more so. Albums that are actually have been labeled 100% easy core as part of that movement. So we're gonna do that next. Um, 
Go ahead, follow us on Twitter at Growing Punk Pod and on Instagram at Growing Up Punk. You'll find links to our personal uh, social media accounts there as well. And uh, wherever you're listening to the show, make sure you subscribe, you rate it, you review, you rate it, you review it. Uh, reviews would be awesome because that helps them actually suggest the podcast to listeners who are listening to other things that are similar and whatnot. And as always, if you're listening on YouTube, um, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I think you should a, just stop posting it on YouTube. Well, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, but at the nice same point, I know, yeah, as I say, but if you want to get the full experience, go listen to it on your favorite podcast app because um, we're, we're here talking about music. We also like to listen to music, so you get music yeah. when you do that. Um, but yeah, other than that, that'll do it. So uh, goodbye. You boy, grab the pizza. Well, what? <laughs> what do you think? Hoover it. <laughs>